When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to the Bleacher Connection with your hosts, Ken and Trevor, a part of the Unhinged Sports Network and proud partners of Fubo TV and Lids. As always, you can find us on Twitter. Trevor is at the BleacherCon1, and I'm at the BleacherCon2, and our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast. One thing I do want to throw out, Trevor, just before we get going, unfortunately for our, our listeners in Canada, we do have another partnership, but our listeners in Canada can't take advantage of it yet. ColorCast, uh, the Unhinged Sports Network has partnered with them as well and it's a what sounds like a really cool app it allows the the guys on the network to go on and kind of give commentary and comments on live sporting events uh hopefully we'll be able to do that as well i know we used it on two for chirping and that was great we got some live questions and i thought i thought that was really cool yeah it was uh, it's a great app where it allowed people essentially to listen in as we were recording our show and gave us live feedback. They were asking us questions. And it, it honestly felt like we were doing a live radio show. It was it was awesome. So yeah, big props out to the ColorCast app. This is exciting for us and exciting for the network in general. So we will drop that in our link tree by or link trees as well in our Twitter bios. Uh, if you want, you can go to uh, at Network Unhinged on Twitter, and you can find that uh, link on there to download it. Unfortunately, it is only for iOS, Apple phones right now. But if you can, check it out. Give a listen to a lot of the guys on the network. I know they got some big plans for the Super Bowl. And on this week's show, speaking of the Super Bowl, Ken and I are going to make our Super Bowl picks. This is our last episode before the big game, so we'll let you know which way we're going. Uh, we're going to do our weekly That's Offside segment. What caught our eye this week? There's definitely one really big topic that I'm I'm looking forward to discussing on this one. Uh, it's been a busy week for the Toronto Blue Jays, so we kind of want to have a recap of some of the major moves that they've made. We're also going to do our second weekly segment of Are You Kidding Me? And to finish off the show, we're going to have some GOAT talk but not the greatest of all time. We're talking greatest of the era talk. I think there's a differentiation between the two and Ken and I are, are going to throw some names out there at each other. So to get started, Ken, it's the big game this week. It's the Super Bowl. I know we had the Packers getting through the Bucks, and they were supposed to play the Chiefs. Didn't work out that way. Tom Brady, can you really doubt him when it comes to the big game he got his bucks through and now they're facing the chiefs so what's your take on the game well yeah we we definitely didn't get both teams right i would like to see an aaron Rodgers get through just for 
the fact that he's had a really good career, but his time in Green Bay hasn't been overly successful when you look at the trophy case. Uh, he's only won one NFC title game. Yeah. And I mean, it led to a Super Bowl, but that that uh, trophy case has been bare for a lot of years with a great quarterback and a you know fairly good team. But it's going to be a good game either way. I don't I don't think the fact that it's uh, KC and Tampa is going to change my pick. I think uh, I'm going with youth over uh, age and experience in this one. And I know for myself, I'm still leaning Kansas City to repeat. I think that uh, that's a dynasty team right there. That that could be the new Patriots. And I think it's going to be a very interesting matchup between uh, a, a budding superstar who potentially could get his name in the GOAT conversation later on in his career versus someone who is uh, at the top of the NFL conversation when it comes to GOAT right now. Yeah, I want to circle back to the Aaron Rodgers talk here quickly. And the fact that he's, I think, I believe one in five in – in championship games in the NFC is mind boggling to me, to be honest. Absolutely. The guy is, at a, if not the best quarterback, top two, top three, and to, to have struggled so much in that big game and to lose it to Tom Brady, because he's always going to be kind of compared to Brady in the Brady era. And unfortunately there is no comparison. And Aaron Rodgers is kind of, he lost to the guy that he'll forever be linked to again, or well, not again, but for the first time when you got to meet him in the, in the championship game. And I don't know, I really enjoy Aaron Rodgers. I think he's an amazing quarterback. I kind of wish he had gotten through to the Super Bowl. That being said, the Tom Brady storyline to me is amazing. Everybody always said it was Brady Belichick. Was it, or was it just Brady? Because uh, it's starting to look like it's just Brady. The, the Patriots were terrible this year and Brady's going to another Super Bowl. So 18% of every Super Bowl ever played has had Tom Brady in it. First time he gets to play at home or that any uh, home team gets to host, sorry. And the Super Bowl really is, it's the mentor versus the student. Can, can uh, Patrick Mahomes do it against Tom Brady? I don't know. i that, that Bucks defense at home is pretty good. So I got to go with the boy Tom on this one. I'm going to take a bit of a, a gamble on it because I do think the Chiefs are a better team. But at the end of the day, Tom Brady knows how to manage a football game. And he knows how to manage a Super Bowl. And we'll see if, if Mahomes can, can repeat last year. Don't forget last year in the Super Bowl, they got down early. If that happens again, I the Bucks defense is good. I just, I don't know if if Brady will allow him to get back into the game. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to take the Bucks in this one. Well, I, I know there's been a couple Super Bowls where Brady's been on the bench at the end of the game and uh, looking quite down because they weren't winning and it took the defense to, to get the ball back or get the recovery or pick six to win. I think when I look at the Chiefs versus the Packers, though, I think the, the Chiefs have a lot more weapons that the Buccaneers are going to have to worry about and stop to win this game. The chiefs have a lot of offensive threats. If you shut down Kelsey, you still got to stop uh Hill. Yeah. They got their running back. I can't remember his name right now, but they, they just have a lot of targets for Mahomes. and Mahomes is a problem in himself. Cause if he can't throw it to anyone, he'll just run it. So it's, I think it'll be, I'm hoping for a good game. Cause there are a lot of the times the super bowl is anticlimactic. It, it just kind of one team runs away with it and, I'd like to see a competitive game and hopefully we get it this year. 
Yeah, I hope so. It uh, last last year's game was kind of a, a dud, to be honest. Uh, I think the last real good Super Bowl was uh, the Falcons blowing the twenty-eight to three lead against Tom Brady and the Patriots. You know, other than that, they, they haven't been that stellar for the last few. So, I, I always I just hope for a good game. I hope it's close, and for the storylines, I just I'd love to see Tom do it with another team just to kind of stick it to the New England Patriots and that whole organization just to say, see, it was me because he kind of got ran out of town there. And it would just, I know a lot of people don't like Tom Brady, but there is a bit of that kind of redemption for him at stake in this game as well. And just a big F you to the new England Patriots. So yeah, I usually just have a big F you for that franchise either way, but (laughs) um, yeah, it it definitely is showing him. He's done nothing really different with the bucks than he did with the Pats. So yeah, you really kind of got a question. Cam Newton's not a horrible QB. I'd beg to differ. Well, he hasn't always been. You know, kind of a change of scenery. Sometimes players need that. I think his time in Carolina was definitely over. So we'll uh, we'll see what they ha- what happens. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are probably going to be available. Uh, two are no longer, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. So there you have it. The big games coming this week. Ken's Ken's got the Chiefs, and I I think I might be going out on a the limb a little bit and I've got the box, but it should be a good game and we're excited for it. Well, hopefully my pick him on this one's better than I did on two for chirping when he, when we did it. <laughs> so we're going to move on to that soft side brought to you by our partners at lids Canada. Click on the link in our Twitter bio link tree for your exclusive offer of great savings on apparel for your favorite team. Ken, there's one big story here in that soft side that both you and I really wanted to talk about and that's Kurt Schilling. Why don't you why don't you take it from here? So the reason we're talking about Kurt Schilling and this kind of goes back to a, a, one of our older episodes Trevor where we we took a look at the potential 2021 Hall of Fame class in Major League Baseball and we questioned on that show does anyone really get in? Should that they? We did. Uh we questioned whether we chose five each and it was not an easy task. You know, we suggested opening up a cheater's wing for for uh the Hall of Fame, but no one got in. I'm not overly surprised. And and you know, you brought up the fact in that show that Major League Baseball didn't punish any of these cheaters at the time. And not saying like Kurt Schilling, he isn't in, I think, for different reasons, but Major League Baseball is now choosing to hold these players accountable a long time after they've finished playing. So no one got in. And Kurt Schilling uh, kind of threw a tantrum afterwards for being snubbed for the ninth year. And afterwards, he's only got one more year left on the ballot. And he wants the Hall of Fame to remove his name from that 10th year ballot because he didn't get in in year nine. Well... Kurt, you're probably not getting in in year 10 either, but uh, I just think it's a little ridiculous for him to be throwing a fit now. I get it. It's a little frustrating to be held accountable for things that happened either after you finished playing, but if baseball wants to clean up their image, this is what's going to happen. Well, the way I look at it is it doesn't matter if you're playing now or you played 20 years ago. You're always going to be a representation of or a representative of Major League Baseball. And unfortunately, Kurt Schilling has done and said some things on social media in the last little while that he's not 
a person that MLB wants representing them. He's made anti-Semitic marks, he, remarks. He's essentially liked and reshared, you know, disgusting memes about transgendered people. He's just not a, he's not a good person. And his social media antics are, are disgusting, to be brutally honest. Absolutely. Kurt Schilling is trying to blame it on the fact that he was a Trump supporter and a, and and a, a MAGA supporter, but it has nothing to do with that. You're this isn't about the left and the right. This is about questionable, highly questionable things you've said and done on social media, and the Schilling to blame it on the left wing liberals. It, it's stupid. It really is. If it was about which political party you 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 support it, then Mariano Rivera wouldn't have got in unanimously in 2019 because he worked on, on that administration in 2017. So this literally has nothing to do with politics and everything to do with Schilling being a jackass on social media. So, and then to be a whiny baby about it is unbelievable. So in my opinion, Kurt Schilling is so far offside on this, it's not even funny. Yeah, character has nothing to do with politics. Whether you're someone on the left or the right, doesn't matter. It's all about character. You, you had a great point there. You're represent representing Major League Baseball and the Hall of Fame, right? So if you're out there and you're doing things that are going to make either one of those organizations look bad, they're not going to want to have you as a face out in the public. So he said some things that are so offside that there is just ridiculous. What I found funny is Jose Canseco oh, made that was a comment on Twitter about it. And man, did they get into it. It's oh, like, it was beautiful. Like Jose Canseco has never said he should be in the hall of fame. And he is openly admitted to his cheating. And, and the fact that it was like shillings and calling him out on his career and his cheating. And it's like, dude, everybody knows no one like, no one's caring. No one's saying Jose should be in, in the Hall of Fame and you shouldn't be. So, uh, yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, when Schilling more or less said to Canseco, you cheated like crazy and I still owned you. As much as I dislike Kurt Schilling, that was that did put a smile on my face. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty funny. So the little Twitter war between the two was uh, – for those who didn't get a chance to see it, I, I would recommend going back and having a look at it because it was pretty funny. Yeah, and I think and it went on for a while too. It did. Uh, there's a second uh, topic that we quickly want to talk about on that soft side as well, and that's to do with some uh, COVID protocol in uh, some, I think it's the AHL, where the, AHL. The, uh, the Henderson Silver Knights were playing the San Jose Barracudas uh, the other day and the game had to be called in the second intermission because a player who was playing tested positive. I thought there was protocols in place to catch this prior, or is this just another world series scenario where it's like, ah, whatever, who cares? Yeah. So this game, was it in Henderson or was it in San Jose? I, that I don't know. Yeah. Like, the San Jose Sharks uh, are the NHL club of the San Jose Barracuda. And I know the Sharks weren't able to play in San Jose because 
COVID was rampant there. The Santa Clara County said, nope, you can't play. And one of the first times we hear of a San Jose Barracuda game, uh, like you said, second intermission, a player test positive, you've already spent 40 minutes playing the game. You spent 40 minutes sitting on the bench in the locker room in the first intermission pregame. It's ridiculous. Josh Anderson of the Montreal Canadiens left the game Saturday night against the Calgary Flames. Everyone thought it was an injury. No one, because nothing, no one could figure out why. And then it, it turns out he had flu-like symptoms. Yeah, and right. before the end of the the game, or like within half an hour after the game, they knew it was he was tested negative. So how is it if you're testing before a game, you're not doing it? early enough to know before puck drop this game should never have happened because if that player on San Jose tested positive and had been around his teammates, they're all probably going to test, you know, or a good portion of them are going to test positive. So now you've put not only the rest of the team at risk and with the Barracudas, the silver Knights are now at risk for playing this game. It's, it's so offside to not be prepared. If you're going to have games played, Everyone needs to test negative before puck drop and not five minutes before we're talking two, three hours ahead. It's just offside. Yeah. I, I don't have a whole lot more to add to it. It's it, the optics of it are terrible. The execution of it is terrible. Uh, but the only thing I do want to add is um, Josh Anderson. How does he get on the ice to even get into the game last night? If he is potentially under the weather and having flu-like symptoms, what is he doing on the ice? Because you've now potentially exposed two teams, because as we all know, one negative test doesn't mean anything. You need multiple ones. So I just, are we going to take this seriously or not in professional sports? If guys are sick, get them the hell away from the other players. It's it's not funny. Like you're going to potentially throw the AHL, the NHL into absolute disarray because a guy might have, you know, not disclose that he, he had flu-like symptoms. Like, come on, we got to be better than this. And it's just, it's offside. I, I can't, I can't put it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. So do you guys agree with us? Kurt Schilling, should he be a hall of famer? What's your thoughts on COVID? Should players be held away from the team if they're even remotely sick? We'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter at the BleacherCon one at the BleacherCon two and reach out on our Facebook page, The Bleacher Connection. Or you can reach out on our alternate show, At Two for Chirping. We'd love to hear from you there, too. So moving into our next segment on our show, it's been a exciting week, we could say, for Toronto Blue Jays fans, where they've, they've made some significant moves. And Ken and I just want to take a quick look at kind of the lineup, the positions. Are they done? You know, where do the Blue Jays go from now? So, Ken, why don't you... Fill in the viewers on some of the news and then let, let's start looking at, are they done or not? Yeah. So it's actually been a couple, a good couple of weeks because, you know, go back a couple of weeks. we got George Springer signed up for six years. Uh, they went out and made a uh, trade for a starting pitcher uh, from the Mets. They traded some prospects that hadn't really worked out with the Jays or even made it up to that level, but they got, uh, uh, his first name is slip my mind. Steven Matz from the New York Mets. Now, hopefully, we get Steven Matz from a couple years ago as opposed to his 
most recent seasons because it does seem like it's a uh, bit of a off season he had last year and not the greatest of numbers. But yeah, we picked up another starting pitcher, which is always a good thing. And we got uh, Marcus Simeon on a one-year deal to play second base. So the infield is taking shape. Does raise some questions, though, that over what uh, the organization had said earlier in the offseason. But yeah, we're seeing some player movement in, and it's, uh, it's, it's continuing to be exciting with this team. Hopefully we can get some more. Definitely need some more starting pitching, and uh, a closer would be good, too. Well, don't forget they did pick up Kirby Yates as well. Uh, I've kind of got both uh, Stephen Matz and Kirby Yates as buy low candidates, which, you know, they, they bought low on them, but potentially could have a high ceiling. Um, in 2018 and 2019, uh, Matz averaged 150 uh, strikeouts in a season, and he pitched to about a four ERA, which is, you know, that's okay. It's not, it's not bad. Kind of the middle of the rotation numbers, but he, from all scouting reports, he has some pretty electric stuff. So there, there are some beliefs he could be a top of the rotation pitcher. We shall see. I, I, I can't claim to be a, a, a Stephen Matz uh, uh, professional. That's for sure. Kirby Yates, kind of the same thing. Two years ago, he had a, a 119 ERA and 41 saves, lots of strikeouts. Uh, last year, not so much. It was lots of home runs and lots of injuries. Uh, same with Matt's. So if these guys can return to 2018, 2019 form, these are absolute steals for the Blue Jays. <clears throat> but I also agree they're, they're still at least one pitcher away. They, they need one more legit top of the rotation guy. Could that be Taewon Walker? Very well could be. I, if it was supposed to be him, I, I would have thought he'd been re-signed by now. So I'm a little leery on that. Yeah. Or they now have an abundance of outfielders. Do we look at a trade to bring somebody in? It that's very possible. Well, Jake Odorizzi's still out there. Like that's another name that you could pick up without any sub- subtraction from the lineup already. I think I would like to see another top two kind of starting pitcher come in to kind of shore up the rotation to allow guys like Nate Pearson, some of the younger uh, starters, some breathing room so that it's not so much pressure on them being a number potentially three guy in that rotation. I think if you're able to give them a little more, you know, it's like a backup goaltender. You want to have a, take a look at the New York Rangers. They had Henrik Lundqvist, two young guys, Right, they had that cushion of a leadership there, and they could count on if they weren't going, someone was going to pick them up. So I think they the, the rotation needs that as well. So I would like to see another decent named high end starter come in as well. Yeah, I James Paxton is is another name on my list. Uh, Taywan Walker definitely. Jake yeah, Odorizzi yeah. was another one that there's kind of of those three names. I would be okay with any three any one of those three uh obviously i'd be way more excited if it was trevor bauer but i'm pretty sure he's going to end up with the mats uh so that's more of a a pipe dream than anything else but uh, we are at least one let's call it major league caliber pitcher away from being a true contender in the american league east i just i i don't think we're quite deep enough yet past ryu 
there's a lot of okay pitchers, but not, not that second guy that you can go and put out against the Yankees and know that they might be able to shut down that lineup entirely. So to me, definitely an arm away with the abundance of the outfielders. Can you move a guy like Guriel Jr. or Teoscar Hernandez? Nobody's taking Randall Grichuk. Like I would love to say, could we trade him? But that's not going to happen. But you all of a sudden move move one of uh, Hernandez or Guriel for a top flight starter. I'd be leery in doing that. I I think Guriel is just scratching the surface. I think he's going to easily fit into the middle of our lineup as a, as a big bopper. So I'm, I'm worried to Oscar looks like he might be the real deal as well. So I'm with you. I think I would rather sign a guy than trade anyone, but we shall see. Yeah. The only deal I would have been okay with Guriel being involved in is uh, the Lindor trade. If you had an extension built into that deal, Lindor for Guriel and with an extension, I would have been okay with that, you know, knowing that we got Springer and that yeah. was in the works. I, I would have been okay with that. I do agree. You brought up Trevor Bauer, possibly, you know, sounds like Mets are involved. Uh, I think if it does happen, Steve Cohen won't be breaking it on Twitter. That's uh, no, that's unfortunately. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Grichik, it, it's tough. That one, if it is a move, you're retaining a lot of salary or you're not getting a lot back for him because of the money and the play, but that outfield right now with Teoscar and Guriel and Springer, I'm excited for that outfield. That's solid uh, in the outfield for defense, defensive reasons and at the plate. So I, I like that. It's the infield where it's starting to shore up, but uh, there's some questions. Yeah. The going into the off season, the Jays strategy was run prevention. And rightfully so. They were near the bottom of the league in, in allowing runs. To me, run prevention should have started with starting pitching, which they've somewhat addressed. Like Their rotation's not terrible, but I am happy they've shored up the defense. As we stated on our, our Blue Jays season review show uh, a couple months back, the Blue Jays defense was atrocious. And it led to so many runs against and adding a guy like George Springer to center field is <clears throat> huge. And now adding uh, Marcus Simeon to play second base and shortstop, like there's that option now. We have a lot of flexibility within, or the Blue Jays do within their infield with Kevin Biggio can play third. Kevin Biggio can play second. Marcus Simeon can play second. Marcus Simeon can play short. Um, Bo can play shortstop. He can play third base. He can play second base. I think the Blue Jays are resigned to the fact now, and I know Vladimir Guerrero is not going to like this. He's the first baseman or the DH only. There is no third base for him anymore, especially with Austin Martin, you know, a year or two away. Like third base is just not a, a reality for Vlad. So and to be brutally honest, I'm not sure Vlad Guerrero Jr. is on this team in two years if he doesn't change things. He kind of came in with a lot of hype, and it hasn't quite been there, and his defense has been very suspect. So, you know, like we said earlier, this is a year for Vlad to kind of put up or shut up, and and I really hope he does put up because 
the guy's in phenomenal shape, but we shall see where, where this, this leads in the next couple of years, but I'm excited about this team. I'm not going to lie. I'll be even more excited if we add one more decent pitcher. I think they can contend and not just for an AL East. I think with the batting order, I think they can contend for an American league championship, but they need another pitcher. Yeah, you brought up Austin Martin there coming up in a couple of years. I know Marcus Semien's only on a one-year deal, but if he works out and you re-up him after this season for more, it does create a lot of questions because right now, let's just take this season alone. The Jays started out by saying that they were going to put Vladdy back at third base and DH. Okay, so that gives uh, – this is before the Marcus Semien trade too. So you had – Vladdy at third, you're looking at Bichette at short, Biggio second, and then potentially Rowdy at first or someone else. But what's now happened is you've now got to put Vladdy, as you've said, back to first base and DHing. So now what happens with Rowdy Telez? Rowdy Telez is left going, well, where the hell do I play? Because the, one of the lineups I saw posted had Grichik DHing because you can't put him in the outfield. You can't pay him to sit that you can't pay him that much to just sit on the bench. So you have to put him somewhere. So if you're DHing him and you're playing Vladdy at first, Rowdy sitting there going, you know, counting the number of of holes in the roof in the dugout and wherever they're playing Buffalo again this year, maybe. So what do you do? Do you end up having to trade him? I think a big question mark is still. I know we got some young prospects and some young talent. Yes, behind the plate. Do you take a Randall Gritchick? Do you take a Rowdy Telez? Do you potentially look at taking Teoscar or Aguriel and getting yourself a top? I mean, now, when I, the first couple names I mentioned there, you're not getting a top flight catcher in return. With a Teoscar or a Guriel thrown in, you are. You could get a top flight catcher back. Danny Jansen has potential Does but he? i don't know like he's being thrown in real quick and again there's no cushion the other guys behind him on in there aren't anywhere near ready either so who knows with the proper uh development maybe he does but he's being thrown in the fire right now and he is not ready so there's potential we'll say that we have a lot of what people consider to be blue chip prospects behind the plate. So maybe take some of them, keep Danny Jansen as a backup and get yourself a true starting catcher that is good defensively. And isn't going to bat a buck 20 because that's a killer wherever you put that in the lineup. You can't DH a catcher. I mean, I'm sure some of the pitchers would have better success hitting (laughs) than our catchers do. And uh, Alejandro uh, Kirk. Kirk, yeah, well, Sunday morning brain fart there. Uh, he's got to get himself in shape. Like he he made Vladdy look like an Iron Man. Sorry, but like <laughs> this isn't to be mean or nothing. But baseball is not a sport where everyone comes in, you know, in shape. Baseball is a game that everyone plays at different shapes and different conditioning but he's got to get himself there. If he wants to be a catcher for 162 games, right? We only saw a small portion of it and things were okay, but I, I am not sold 
on any of our catchers right now. I'm not either. I'm going to go back to the Rowdy Telez, Randall Gritchick, Gritchick talk. To me, Rowdy Telez gets in the lineup every day against right-handed pitching. The guy mashes it. And whether that's at first base or DH, it doesn't matter. I think uh, Telez and Guerrero will split time at both against right-handed pitchers. I think he's on the bench against lefties, but that, that still gets him into a hundred games a year. And Gritchick, I'm sorry. I, he will be the guy who's going to rotate through the outfield when a guy needs a day off or rotate in at DH when a guy needs a day off. If Gritchick gets into 40 games this year, starting that's probably 39 too many in my opinion but he will get some playing time now, don't get me wrong he has some value he has some pop in his bat it's just his bloody strikeouts the the guy cannot contain himself and just swings at terrible pitches but as you and i both know ken when he goes on a heater he's the best hitter in baseball yeah. He'll go. He'll go 15 for 30 and and hit 11 home runs over six games. It's like this guy is. He's so streaky. Uh, unfortunately, though, that that doesn't play well against good pitching. And when you get to the playoffs, you only face good pitching. So a streaky guy who strikes out a lot isn't beneficial, in my opinion. So <clears throat> Gritchick, I could care less if he gets on the field this year. He will, but who's Who's he really going to replace? Rowdy's yeah. a better hitter, and all three of Teoscar Guriel Jr. and George Springer are better outfielders. Yeah, Grichik's not kind of become the new Kevin Pillar in my eyes. Kevin yeah. Pillar was horrible for striking out on a full count, where the pitch the the pitch is three feet outside and in the dirt, and he's swinging at it trying to knock it out of the park. You know, I, some of the and this is where I question the Jays hitting coaches. Why are you not sitting some of these guys down and just straight face, dead in the eyes saying, you are not a home run hitter. Stop trying to hit it out of our park and two others in one shot. It, it's just, it, it's so old. We keep seeing these guys that should be hitting for contact and moving the guys on base over. How many times do we have, have we had runners in scoring position and left them all on base because you got uh, Kevin Pillar trying to knock a, a grand slam as opposed to a single up the middle to score two when you're down by one. Yeah. It, it, get, it gets old. Just someone needs to tell these guys, hey, this is what you are. Stop trying to be what you're not. Because yeah. a lot of our hitting problems for the Blue Jays would go away if they did. That's why I'm hoping a professional hitter like George Springer – kind of rubs off on guys. So I, I'm very interested to see how that all plays out. And if some of these young guys do learn from him all in all, though, I'm very excited about this upcoming season. I think for once there's, there's good optimism going into a season that the Jays are potentially a very legit team. So Blue yeah. Jays nation, we'd love to hear from you guys. Are we on base on this? Have we hit a home run or did we strike out in our thoughts on Randall Gritchick? Reach out on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2. And the next portion of our show is brought to you by our partners at FuboTV. What is FuboTV? 
FuboTV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. If you don't believe us, go to our Twitter bios, our link trees, click the link and start your seven day trial now. Moving on to our next segment of the show. Are you kidding me? This is where we look at some interesting stories from the past week and give our take on it. And hot off the presses this morning, right before we go on air, is some pretty major news coming out of New York. And that's that the Rangers have waived Tony D'Angelo. For those that don't know, Tony D'Angelo was, and I guess potentially still is, there's belief he has a burner account, a, a very active and vocal person on social media in support of um, certain political parties and certain beliefs. I'm not going to get into that. Everybody knows about it. But apparently there's a big fight last night after the game between teammates. And rumor is, and again, I'm just speculating on rumors that Tony D'Angelo may have gotten punched in the face by a, a teammate last night. And the New York Rangers pretty much said, that's it. We're done. This guy's a clown. Get him out of here. Like, we don't need this freak show. And to be brutally honest, that's what Tony D'Angelo is. Are you kidding me? Get over yourself. Like, you were an okay defenseman last year, but your time's come and gone, buddy. Like, move on. I'm done with you. I hope nobody picks him up, and I hope he doesn't play again. Because just like Kurt Schilling, your words on social media matter, and you're about to face the consequences, so... Joke's on you, buddy. I, I go on a bit. It looks like, are you kidding me? It took this long for it to yeah. happen? Like, he's been going off all offseason uh, on his Twitter rants and things like this. I'm surprised. Again, you're representing an or your organization as an employee. Not only are you, you, you wear, every time you go to work, you're wearing the logo. Every time that you speak, you're representing your, your employer. And everyone does have the right to have their opinions, have their thoughts. But you have to remember, if you are a public figure, you are always going to be known as, insert name here, of team name this. So it's always going to be Tony D'Angelo of the New York Rangers. When people talk about you, they Formerly of the New York Rangers. Possibly formerly of the New York Rangers. They mention your employer every time they speak of you because otherwise, sorry, Tony, no one cares what you have to say. What caught your eye, Ken? So I kind of went, are you kidding me? And this is some, as a Canadian, it's, you know, we kind of maybe think this is normal, but some, for some others, it might be a, are you kidding me? The other night, Michael Del Zotto in a game against the uh, Florida Panthers got high sticked accidentally by Anthony Duclair after Duclair scored a goal on uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, it, I'm, I'm guessing in celebration, raised his stick and cut Michael Delzato real good. Uh, right really to, good. Yeah, <laughs> right on the side of his upper lip. And it, it was a massive gash. I, I tried to look to see how many stitches it required. I couldn't find it, but I, I'm assuming it's more than two. Uh, <laughs> it, it, this was not just a, hey, put a Band-Aid on it. I'm going to go back out. I'm good. Uh, he almost had a second mouth just to the beside his regular one. It was gnarly. I sent it to you, and I was like, "Whoa, that looked 
painful. But, you know, in true hockey fashion, he got stitched up and went back to work. The guy didn't really miss too many shifts. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If this was me, I'd be in bed like I had a cold and out for a week and a half. It's like, it was painful to look at. I mean, this guy just goes back like it's nothing. Yeah, that's kind of the mentality around hockey. And I don't know if these guys are heroes or idiots. I, I haven't decided yet. But they're tough. They're tough. I'll give them that. If you haven't seen it, look it up on Twitter, Michael Delzato, and you'll be just like, he literally hardly missed any playing time. He was right back on the ice. So well, it's not the first time he's done wow. it. And cut real bad, got stitched up and goes back out. I think I found three other stories of him doing that. Yeah. Again, I don't know if they're, they're heroes or not, but good on them. Uh, I'm going to go back to, this is kind of an extension of a, a topic from last week regarding kind of Pierre-Luc Dubois, Patrick Laine, and Jack Roslovic kind of all whining and complaining to get out of their markets. And you know what, at least I'll, I'll give those guys somewhat of a pass. They were at least okay players. I, news came out this weekend about both Sam Bennett with the Calgary Flames and Victor Mete of the Montreal Canadiens essentially demanding trades. Really? Are you kidding me, Sam Bennett? You haven't done a thing in regular season play. You said you haven't been given a shot to play on the top lines. Well, how about you earn that shot? Because as a former fourth overall pick, you're right up there with boss of Jesse Pugliarvi of the Edmonton Oilers and, and Nail Yakupov of the Edmonton Oilers. This is brutal. You do not deserve the opportunity to play in the top six and I can't believe I'm hitting on one of my players so hard but to say you haven't been given an opportunity no you didn't earn it Victor Mete you can't get into the lineup right now I wonder why you can't earn it you're playing on a deep team so stop your whining stop your complaining and maybe earn that position Sam Bennett the Calgary Flames will be better without you if you want out so I'm sure they'll happily do that and everybody says, oh, there's playoffs, Sam Bennett. Well, who cares? If your team doesn't get to the playoffs, I need regular season Sam Bennett. So this could have been that's offside. This could be, are you kidding me? This is everything. Sam Bennett, seriously, grow up. This isn't baseball where you can use a bullpen specialist for, you know, a third, you know, an inning and that's it. You need guys playing all the time. Victor Mete has 171 games played, 31 points. And a plus 27. That's a, those are bottom of the, the six defense numbers. And if like you said, if you're not in the lineup, work harder. Don't ask for a trade. Like you, you brought up the top four pick for of Bennett. This is just how it's going. If you're top, picked in the top 10, you expect to have the, those top minutes. You got to earn it. Absolutely. Ken, what else caught your eye this week? I know there's uh, this one's. If, if I if you're going where I think you're going, this is um, this is a good one. Yeah, I, I I am. So there was a big trade in the NFL this weekend, where uh, Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford are exchanging addresses. But one comment that I, I actually read this morning uh, before recording, and I sent to you, that I I thought was interesting. Uh, it appears that. In a team chat. Now, I don't understand when 
professional players are going to learn that team chats are probably not a good idea to share some thoughts. Uh, but in a team chat, Jared Goff shared his feelings for now former head coach Sean McVay's girlfriend. And uh, yeah, dude, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Like, first off, this is another man's girlfriend, wife, whatever. Not cool, man. Uh, and, and why are you sharing it with teammates? Did you really think that you were cool with everyone? That this wasn't going to somehow get out at some point? Come on. Use your head. Keep your thoughts to yourself. Like, are you kidding me? I, You said this to me, and I literally just started laughing. I was like, really? You're going to go there? Like, Jared Goff has a girlfriend. Well, he might not now. And it's like, what are you doing? Seriously, like, you don't think this isn't going to get back to everybody? And it, like, whatever, it's, she's an attractive lady, but <laughs> I don't know. And now Jared Goff is playing elsewhere. Like, for all we know, one of the reasons they wanted to get rid of him was because this was persistent. So, yeah. Oh, Jared Goff, and and that's going to lead me right into my final. Well, I just I don't think I don't think Jared Goff's going to be meeting any of his new teammates' wives anytime soon. Yeah, and that's going to lead me right into my final. Are you kidding me? And that that is the Matthew Stafford trade. The Lions, Detroit Lions, traded Matthew Stafford to the the LA Rams for I think it's two first round picks, a third round pick, and Jared Goff. Are you kidding me? This is a guy, he's never won a playoff game. He's, or he's won one playoff game in his career. Matthew Stafford isn't that good. Jared Goff going back the other way isn't that good. Like, you know who's laughing? The Houston Texans sitting on Deshaun Watson. They're going to get 17 first round picks. Matthew Stafford for two of them and a starting quarterback and a third round pick. Like, I, I guess I don't understand NFL trades because I'm well, you, baffled. You brought up the playoff success. And I don't hold that against Matthew Stafford because I saw a stat and I wish I had it here in front of me that between Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford, I think that's the only playoff win that they had. That team has wasted so much talent in those three players, but they didn't do any favors for Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson and moving them at a time where they could still be successful with someone else. Right. I think this was a player and a team going, let's just do each other a favor. We know you're not happy. We'll move you somewhere else. But that franchise as a whole has wasted so much talent. I don't put this, that lack of playoff success on Stafford, Calvin Johnson, or Barry Sanders within that franchise. It's disappointing they didn't do this with Megatron and and Barry Sanders because both of them retired early because of it and robbed NFL fans of getting to see them play for longer because they they couldn't stand playing for this abysmal franchise any longer. And at least they did Matthew Stafford a solid, but... Or uh, I just the, the 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 amount that they traded for him though through the Rams though is still overwhelming to me and and craziness. But I think it was because of uh, Jared Goff's contract that they got more. Yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, maybe this should be a Detroit Lions. Are you kidding me? Wasting Ugh. so much talent. 
absolutely. <laughs> there, we just added it in. Yeah. Detroit Lions, are you bloody kidding us? <laughs> yeah. So there, there you have it. Are you kidding me for this week? We'd love to hear what your guys' thoughts or is there major omissions that we missed? Reach out on Twitter at the BleacherCon1, at the BleacherCon2. And with that, we're going to move into our final segment of the, of the show. And that's going to center around some GOAT talk. But we're not necessarily going to talk about the greatest of all time. We're going to talk about the greatest of the era talk. Because to both Ken and I, there needs to be differentiation here. And yesterday on local uh, Calgary radio, they actually had a very similar conversation completely unrelated to Ken and I wanting to talk about this. And they echoed a lot of the same sentiments as, as I believe we're going to. So I just thought it was very neat that they, they, they're thinking the same way that we are. So Ken, why don't you, you take the ball and run with this one? Yeah. So my, my biggest issue when you talk about the goat in a sport, the goats, it's the greatest of all time. Well, you're never going to know who the greatest of all time is because you can't compare. You can't like, let's take boxing. You can't take Ali versus Tyson and figure it out. They never, they're never in the same boxing really hasn't had a lot of changes to it, but what I find about boxing and I, by all means, I am no expert on it. I don't watch it a lot, but I know the top, the, the champions don't always take the fight against the best contender. They're going to take the fight that keeps them the belt and keeps them getting paid. So can you really call someone a goat if they're fighting a guy who's ranked 10th as opposed to the guy that is the true number one contender? When you look at other sports, let's take basketball. The conversation of greatest of all time may make a little more sense because let's be honest, it's high tops, it's shorts. The only thing that's changed there is the length. Thankfully, we no longer have the Larry Bird short shorts, but Outside of the three-point line being added in, not a lot of change. But you look at other sports, baseball, hockey, football, there's other technology and other pieces that have come in to help the players be better. When you look at hockey, the sticks that are used now have so much more whip. When guys used to shoot the puck 100 miles per hour, it was rare. They're usually defensemen, big guys. I'm not knocking them. Elias Pedersen shot the puck 100 miles per hour at the All-Star Skills Competition. And I was shocked. He is not a big guy, but the equipment helps now. The other thing that I look at is with expansion and, and things like that, the players today are playing more regular season games than players in the past. So their stats are able to get padded because they're playing more games, right? I also think they're playing potentially more watered down competition as well. Absolutely. Because there's, there's, there's more more teams out there and there's more guys in the league. Uh, and I got to look at hockey here where there's a lot of teams filling out their bottom six forwards with, I'm going to say AHL caliber players and not NHL caliber players. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how many games has the NHL expect like gone from a regular season to now because of expansion? So I think if you're going to have the greatest of all time conversation, you have to factor it in and go, okay, if Joe Montana only had, 14 regular season games you got to then play it up to add all those missed games that he'd be playing now to see where he would fall with stats because some of these guys are getting an unfair advantage and how many touchdowns yards and everything else they're getting in the nfl i just think it's a better way to look at it 
at within an era, every decade, every 15, 20 years, who's the best of that time. I think that's the right way to look at it because then everyone's on a fair playing ground. Yeah, I can't really disagree with with that argument. Uh, the basketball one, you kind of said not much has changed. I would disagree that the three-point line has been moved in in the last 15 years. So guys like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson breaking three-point records, well, sure, they're also getting to shoot from slightly closer. I and I'm that. not – yeah, I'm not trying to knock uh, Steph Curry's ability to shoot. The guy is uh, absolutely phenomenal. And I also think there's been some uh, changes to the way they're allowed to play defense. You were only ever allowed to play man-to-man, and now you can play zone and man-to-man. So I think the players have had to adapt to that slightly. But I think the the players of today have a huge and distinct advantage over, because, and you mentioned it, technology. And I'm going to go to off-the-court and off-ice technology, and I'm going to say – iPads, computers, analytics, stats, they have all these different things to kind of draw and learn from where before it was all about, and this is old school thinking, does he pass the eye test? Well, the eye test doesn't necessarily hold a lot of validity anymore because there's just so many different things for these players to be graded on and also that they get to look at to become better players. So for my taking the greatest of all times, and I'm going to say of all time, not of the era, they are actually the players now and not the players from 40 years ago. The only maybe one that I might not go in is in the NBA where to me, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. And I don't think anybody stops him on that. I know there's a lot of Kobe and LeBron love out there for that, but other than that, to me, all the greatest of all times are have played in the last 10 to 20 years or right now. Yeah, like you brought up the technology about off-ice. How many times do we see during an NHL game or an NFL game where the players are on the, the bench or sidelines looking at an iPad or Microsoft Surface in the NFL uh, at, at a play that just happened as opposed to 20 years ago the, the coaches printed off the sheets of the play and they're flipping through to show them what happened and what they could have done. They're getting to rewatch a replay in real time to go over this. You know, like, let's be honest, in some of these sports and baseball and things like that, guys were smoking in the dugout back in the day and they were considered greats. You know, things have changed, but I think uh, the players today definitely have that advantage to, like, even the off-season training. They've got, what, 19 different personal trainers, nutritionists helping them out. You know, I just think the the conversation around that needs to change. It's not to take away from anyone that is considered uh, greatest of all time or greatest of their era. There's a lot of great players. And I think in some sports, the super teams come into factor as well. You didn't have as many super teams back in the day. And if you did, they were kind of built or drafted that way you didn't have players banding together to sign on one team. So is, you know, Dan Marino gets a lot of flack for not winning a championship. Well, is that because Dan Marino wasn't one of the greatest of his time or because the dolphins wasted Dan Marino? Yeah. I've put together some names here, Ken, and these are who I think are the greatest of the era. And I want you to pick which one of these athletes are is 
the greatest athlete of the era. I've got Tom Brady, LeBron James, Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Serena Williams, and Tiger Woods. Of those athletes, or is, is there another athlete there that I'm missing? Of those athletes, who's the greatest of the era? You know what? I'm. I. It's going to be a tie. It's going to be a tie for me because there's no debate in these sports. And I'm going to go with the two Olympians that you put in there. Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps. There's no discussion. There is no one better at any point in time. You remove them from the sport and those sports aren't paid attention to at all because no one else is even remotely close. I watched an interview uh, of Usain Bolt. He was on the Graham James, Graham Norton, sorry, Graham Norton show. James. Wow. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll hit the censor button on that one when I go through. Yeah, we might want to edit that out. Yeah, the Graham <laughs> Norton show, uh, which is a great show also, by the way, if you haven't seen it, where he, Graham Norton showed a picture of Usain Bolt during one of his races, two feet in front of everyone else, looking at the camera, smiling by accident, Usain Bolt said. But that's just how good he was. Like to me, it's those two. There's there's no difference. They are the best, and no one can take that. No one can even argue that because there's no one else in that conversation. Everyone else in all the other sports, there's conversation around who else is the best. So for me, it's those two tied because in their sport, there is no one that touches them at all. And I don't know that there ever will be. It's funny that, and this is the reason why I'm, I'm right there with you. And I get to put Serena Williams in there as well. She is the greatest of the era of all time for any female athlete, in my opinion. They're, these are individual athletes. They're not playing on teams. Tom Brady is probably the greatest NFL quarterback. There's no denying that. LeBron James is probably the best player right now. But they play teams. All these other guys had to do it by themselves. And the Olympians, they have to qualify and they have to qualify every four years, even to get to the biggest stage to do this. And Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps have the gold medals to prove that they are the best athletes of this era and quite possibly of any era. They're undeniably, in my opinion, the, the two best. I'm going to lean a little bit more to Usain Bolt just because there, there's always that stigma of being the fastest man in the world. Well, it's him and it literally is him. So yeah, I, I just, there's, it, there's the prestige, not stigma. Sorry. There's the prestige of being the fastest man in the world. And that's him. Well, and this is the thing too, is there is no technology in either one of those sports because there's no technology in cleats. You might make them lighter, but all it is is cleats and your ability in the pool. It's swim trunks, a cap and goggles. Now, unless those goggles are, you know, bionic and can give you stats as you go there's no technology all it's doing is keeping pool water out of your eyes you know and it's just amazing what these guys can do on their own it's just pure human ability then that's it it's amazing tell us what you think on the uh the goat talk whether you spell it g-o-a-t or g-o-t-e if you think we're wrong in saying usain bolt and michael phelps are uh not the goats uh co-goats or whatever We'd love to hear it because I don't know how you're going to argue it. But uh, that's our thoughts. Let us know at the BleacherCon 1, at the BleacherCon 2, our Facebook page, the Bleacher Connection Podcast.
with that, we want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. We've had a lot of fun with these, uh, with these topics. Don't forget, you can hear us again Friday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, for Two for Chirping, exclusively on the Unhinged Sports Network, uh, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We will always release the previous, the past week's episode on our uh, podcast platform. So if you are behind, you want to get caught up before the new episode, check it out. Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're on most of all the big ones. You can find us there. Well, thank Thanks you for listening, everyone. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And we'll uh, talk to you again in a week.